Mark chapter 1, I will begin reading at verse 29. Mark 1, verse 29. And forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and Annan they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. And at even, when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased, and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of divers diseases, and cast out, <coughs> excuse me, and cast out many devils, and suffered not the devils to speak, because they knew him. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. And he preached in their synagogue throughout all Galilee, and cast out devils. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. You may be seated. Good morning. It's really good to be here with you again. Seems like a long time, and it doesn't just seem so. It has been a while that we've been here, so it feels good, and it feels like it it just feels right. Um, I I was going to say it feels like home, and it does in a way, because uh, this is where Rhoda and I were members for a long time, and um, but it's been a while, so our our earthly home here is does sort of feel at another place, uh, <clears throat> but it's good to be here, and it um, so good to see you all. So uh, I'm just going to share at the beginning here a little a little update of some of the things that are happening. And <clears throat> one of my goals from this morning is to bring encouragement to you, and um, one. One thing I see is I just think back and reflect. Uh, you know, some years ago, I won't say how many you sent us out from here and blessed us and empowered us, supported us and prayed. <clears throat> and so some of these things I'm going to mention are now a direct extension of what you've done. And I, one thing that stood out to me some years ago, I'm guessing about 12 maybe years ago, we were here one Sunday and Norman Kaufman, he said something like this. He said, Brent, we just see you as an extension of us here. And that's exactly what it was. And that felt so good to me. And that's, um, even though now 
are um, it's kind of like extended family. We don't see each other as often. <clears throat> Yet, uh, what's happening is an extension of what uh, you started and what you empowered us to do. <clears throat> so, just starting right with family. So, it's Rhoda and I are here this morning, and Juliana, our youngest. And uh, we're not empty nesters yet, but the people, as, as you know, youth, they are running around. So Jonathan is attending Sattler. He's on a little break right now. Um, and so he's, he was with us part of this week. And uh, Josiah is at SMBI. And so Jonathan and Josh went out to see Josiah yesterday and today. And um, Josh is at home in high school and... <clears throat> He also works at Shepherd's Cup, and Juliana is also in school. So that's a little summary of our family. <clears throat> and then uh, <clears throat> we're meeting at Verzana Fellowship. So the, uh, we're especially focused on reaching out to Turkish people. And then there's a team with the same mission, uh, reaching out to Jewish people. And we meet together with other local people. Um, at, at Verizona Fellowship. <clears throat> and then also staff from um, and workers at Shepherd's Cup are meeting there too. So we're so blessed to have a home church there right, right in our area. Uh, <clears throat> this morning there um, where we meet we rent a space and the doors open at 10 and from 10 to 11 we have snacks and coffee and tea um, and that's a great way to start for us because it really helps to cut down on latecomers, you know, when you have from 10 to 11 to get there with some snacks and coffee. People usually get there by 11, and then at 11 we start and um, have church from about 11 to 12.30, so <clears throat> they're together right now. Um, another exciting thing that's happening, so our the church where we meet, it's um, mostly Mennonites from other areas like us. A few locals attend some. Right now, not as much as we would wish. <clears throat> but um, there's a, a couple that, from, that are living in this area, Matthew and Teresa, as some of you might, <clears throat> might know them. And he's from... Um, He's from the Middle East and lived in Turkey a while, so he's fluent in Turkish, and she's from uh, the States. <clears throat> They're planning to come up once a month and just start helping us uh, get a Turkish-speaking fellowship going. We've tried to do that. It um, just hasn't happened yet. And uh, there are a few Turkish believers in Brooklyn, but... Um, Lord willing, this month they'll be coming up and we'll be meeting and hopefully that'll keep developing. So that's an exciting thing because that's one of the uh, main reasons we went and are there is to reach out to Turkish people. And then also um, in Turkey, there some exciting things are happening there. <clears throat> uh, there's one young couple, Philip and Deanna, and two single girls that are on the same uh, team that we're with. They're learning language, and uh, they've been there for a year and a month or two. And <clears throat> the Lord has blessed them, and 
So the, the girls will be returning uh, soon after the end of the year to New York. And then <clears throat> uh, Phillips will be staying until the summer at least and probably be back in New York for a while before uh, returning, Lord willing, to Turkey more long term. So <clears throat> uh, they've been a blessing um, and it's exciting to see what, what God is doing. And then one other thing I'd like to report on is tell you a little bit about Many of you know about Shepherd's Cup, the cafe and ministry center uh, there in New York, and that has opened, opened and we were able to open in March, and uh, that's been just a huge blessing for us, and uh, uh, really for our family, especially a, a new chapter, and um, it has really opened up doors with meeting local people. And, and that's one thing that's hard in New York is to get to know neighbors and friends right around you in a big cold city. So that, that's really opened up doors. And then uh, <clears throat> some of our workers, probably about a third of them are, are Turkish. And, um, and so it makes connections in, in the community. So that's uh, been just a lot of fun and, um, and hard work. So you can pray for that ministry and for, for us as we work there. God has done some good things. One exciting thing that happened recently, uh, we started English classes once a week there at Shepherd's Cup. And we have a little meeting room. And um, about five, five people or so are come, have come to that <clears throat> four or five, and most of them are Turkish. And then uh, two, two sessions ago at our English class, one young man came for the first, and uh, he, he was Turkish, and I uh, got to know him you know, a little bit in class. And then afterward, he uh, stopped and he, um, he said that he's Protestant, a believer. Later, he sent me some pictures of his church in Turkey and his baptism. And this just blew me away. I'd never met uh, someone that I had known for a while that, uh, that was believing in Brooklyn, that was Turkish. So it was an amazing thing. And so we'll see where that connection continues. And he just so happens, I know that nothing just happens right with the Lord, but so happens to live on the same street we're on on a block, so kind of across, across the street with a, a household of other Turkish people. So that's been exciting. One, one small um, way that the Lord has used connections there at Shirts Cup uh, and, and in which we're very blessed. <clears throat> so this morning, let's transition a little to uh, some encouragement in the Word. <clears throat> and uh, we're going to be talking about devotional life. So our, <clears throat> our devotional life, and <clears throat> I'd like to define that. And one of the main things from this morning, well, okay, for, to start off, I feel our devotional life is just very, very important. Now, there's a lot of important things that we're supposed to talk about and um, teach. <clears throat> but this one is very important because it really is a key to the rest of our life. <clears throat> and, and so I'd like you to listen in. And if you've been having a fulfilling and enriching devotional life, I hope this can really encourage you. 
And maybe you're young in the Lord, and maybe your devotional life is struggling. And I hope, too, that you're encouraged to become more consistent and disciplined, because it really does bless us. And uh, so after we look at what, what it is, what we're looking at, I'd like to really focus today on why to have a devotional life. Because if we, and then at the end, we'll look at some practic- practical tips and pointers. But if we don't understand why, I think we'll, we'll be uh, lacking and it may hinder our motivation for it. <clears throat> So when we're talking about devotional life, we're just talking about that set-apart time and place with God, with the Lord Jesus and His Spirit, um, in His Word and in prayer. Okay, so we're talking about that set-apart time and place with God and in, in His Word and prayer. And the reason, one main reason for it, not the only reason, but the main reason is to fill up to fill up with his spirit and his grace. So uh, <clears throat> the, the time we could <clears throat> is, is to fill up our tanks, kind of like a gas tank with a car, with his spirit. And <clears throat> I, uh, on this part of time, we can look at Luke chapter 5, verse 16. <clears throat> And I left my King James Bible in New York, so I'm, some of the scriptures I'll read uh, will be from ESV. Uh, so, <clears throat> Luke 5:16 it says, "But he, Jesus, would withdraw to desolate places and pray." There's another translation. I think it's New American Standard. It says he would often slip away into the wilderness and pray, and that, that's a pretty good translation. Uh, so Jesus, and this was during his ministry when people were being healed. There was, I believe at this time, a lot of popularity. And uh, he was with people a lot. Things were happening. But he'd often get away, slip away to desolate places and pray. So we see he took a lot of time for it. And then I love the next verse. And, uh, you know, and when they wrote this, there wasn't paragraph or headings that separated it. So it went right into this next part. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Now there's a connection. See, he would often slip away and fill up and the power of the Lord was present. And I don't feel, and if you look at Jesus' life and the way um, the, the teaching in, in the New Testament, he didn't get his, his power to heal didn't come from being the Son of God. And hear me out on this. He, he had emptied himself, and he was still God, all right? But he had emptied himself, so he was limited in time and place like we are. Even his knowledge was limited, uh, like we are, and he had, he had been born like us. And so then when he worked miracles, it was just in the way that a man had to go about it. 
And so it was through connection with his father and through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the life he lived. He lived a real life as a man, even though he was God. He had emptied himself and limited. he was limited for a time, to, uh, just like we are. And so um, it says the power of the Lord was present to heal. That was because he was often spending time with his father. So there was power there from the Lord to bring healing. <clears throat> so we see from this, uh, Jesus spent a lot of time in his devotional life. And then the place. Um, <clears throat> it's that set apart time and place. So the verse that I want to point out for this place is in Matthew chapter 6. And we, we all know this. We've read it many times. And it's in <clears throat> the Sermon on the Mount. But some time ago I was just had such a new insight and inspiration from this verse and passage. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6. And it's talking about prayer and Jesus said, but when you pray, go into your room or your closet and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, I thought, <clears throat> isn't the teaching that God is everywhere? That's what we know and believe in theology, right? And he is. But why does it say then, um, go to your father who is in secret? Well, the reason is, I, I think it has to do with the, the Shekinah glory. If you look in the Old Testament... <clears throat> And, and then down through the New Testament, this theme is continued. The Shekinah glory was like the localized presence of God and where his glory was manifested. And we see it um, especially at the tabernacle. And the Shekinah glory came down, the, cloud of, the pillar of fire, and then a cloud at night. And then that Shekinah glory moved into the temple. When Solomon built the temple, it says uh, the temple was filled with the presence of the Lord. The priests couldn't even stay in. That was a Shekinah glory. And, <clears throat> and, that's a, and then that glory actually left that temple. You can read about it in Ezekiel. And it says it came back in Jesus Christ. He, um, he was the glory. In John 1, you see how he was the glory and he tabernacled among us. And now that glory comes through his spirit. To us, because Jesus sent his spirit. But, so, that was a little bit of a bunny trail, but what we're talking about here is when it says, um, shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. The Father is in the secret place, and his Shekinah glory will be manifested there. And so, if you want to meet with the Father, you're going to get have to get into the secret place. This is a very important part of your devotional life, to get into the secret place, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And then what's going to happen when you get into that secret place? See, we have, we're supposed to have this set-apart time, but then we also have the rest of our life where we live and work and relate with people. And as we make um, the secret place important and a priority, God will then reward us in the other 
areas of our life as we go about it. He'll give us power. He'll give us strength and insight in the other parts of our life, which is important. We can't just stay in the secret place. We have to work for God. We have to do things. We have to live and make money and do all the things we do in life. But he will then empower us, and it says reward us. So there needs to be a set-apart time and place in his word and prayer. And the principle, I already referred to it, but I'd like to... One more thing in the definition here is the principle of it. And Mark, turn to Mark chapter 5. And here in verse 30, was, uh, it talks about the time where the woman... Um, who had been uh, sick and ill and had this issue of blood um, and couldn't get healed. She had faith to come to Jesus and touch the end of his garment. And uh, it says something, well, I'll start at verse uh, 28. For she said, if I touch even the... His gar- <clears throat> excuse me, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. <clears throat> and immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And then in verse 30, and Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him. Now, King James says virtue and uh, this is one place where it was not a good translation because the, the Greek word is dunamis. And uh, that word, um, almost everywhere else, even in the King James, is translated power. It means that dynamite power, that miraculous power. Okay, and that's the word. And so Jesus perceived that power, or dunamis, had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And we know the story. The disciples thought he was a little crazy. Everybody was crowding around him, and everybody was touching him. And he's asking, who touched me? But he knew that power had gone out, and it had brought healing. And he didn't even know about the faith, about the woman and the faith, but um, he knew that something, the power had gone out from him, and so he found out who it was. <clears throat> and he said in verse 34, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. So the principle here for us is that when we're serving the Lord as we should be and we're working for him and um, people are being ministered to, people are being healed, whether physically or spiritually, and things are happening, good things, If that is truly happening, power will be going out from us too, just like it did from Jesus. And and it's it's so tangible that here Jesus felt it in his spirit. He he felt it. And when that happens, then we must get back into the secret place. And we'll see the passage that was read before I started here. We'll see how Jesus did that. Because um, he... He did that, and we must do that to be able to fill up with that power from the Lord and that grace from the Lord. And if we go on ministering in the Lord's name and in his work, but we don't spend time with him, 
it becomes very dangerous because our power will diminish and we'll keep trying to serve and after a while there's no more power left and then things crash, just like a car, you know, if you keep running and running on that car and think, wow, this, this car is very efficient, has good gas mileage and I just keep going and I forget to look at the gas gauge, well, it'll run out and then there's big problems. So we need to keep stopping at the gas station in that, and um, for us here in that secret place. <clears throat> so let's go now into why have a set-apart devotional time. So why? <clears throat> and there's two main parts here. Uh, we're going to talk about why we should do it for God. You know, that some things we, sh- uh, we need to do <clears throat> because it's the right thing to do. All right, and and so part of doing our devotion, having our devotional life, is for God. <clears throat> but I think there's something we sometimes miss. <clears throat> it's also for ourselves. So first, for God, um, it's to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And you see this especially in John four. <clears throat> Jesus was talking to the woman from Samaria. Remember that despised sinner woman. And then he said something so beautiful. He says, God is, um, they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And he said, the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Isn't it an amazing thing that God is seeking people to worship him? What if, uh, let, let's think of the, your favorite president of the United States. Maybe it's not the present one or the former one, but let's think of the favorite, your favorite president. And let's say that he was seeking your audience. He wanted to talk to you. Now, would you see that as selfish of him? No, not at all. You'd see that as a great big privilege, right? The president of the United States called you up and said, hey, I, I went to meet with you. Would you see it as important? Very important, right? You'd probably put aside everything else that you could to get there and meet with him. Well, the Lord and master and president of the universe, the maker of it, he's seeking your attendance, He's seeking to talk with you. He's seeking you to worship him. It's a great big privilege. So let's, <clears throat> let's meet with him and get in that secret place with him. And John 17, 3 says, <clears throat> This is life eternal, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. <clears throat> and 2 Peter three eighteen says, Grow in grace, <clears throat> Oh, I'm sorry, that's on my next point. So I, I got a little ahead of myself with that scripture. But anyway, the second point here for God, um, why have a set-apart devotional time? It's for God. It's to honor and know the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, the verse I was then saying is in Second Peter 3.18. It says, <clears throat> But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And the only way... That one of the main ways to do that is to spend time with him in his word and prayer, listening to his spirit, and we'll grow in grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then we see this in Philippians chapter 3, 
where Paul's passion and heart was to know Jesus Christ and to become like him, both in his suffering and then Paul knew that if he would be like Jesus in his suffering, he would also be like him in his resurrection life and power. So that was Paul's uh, pursuit to know and honor Jesus Christ. And then a third part in this section of for God is to walk in obedience and power of the Holy Spirit. And in Luke 24, 49, Jesus told his disciples just before leaving this earth physically and going back to his father just before the ascension, he said that they're supposed to stay in Jerusalem until they're clothed with power from on high. And what happened? What was he talking about? He was talking about the Holy Spirit's coming when they would be clothed with power and then they'd have the power to go out and share and be effective and witness and see people coming to the Lord. But they weren't supposed to go out to other places until they were clothed with power. And if we try to um, obey Jesus' teachings and we try to spread, spread the word without first staying in our Jerusalem, and the, for us it's that secret place, And um, if we try to do all that without being clothed with power, it won't work. But if we do it Jesus' way and we spend time in the secret place, God will bless it and bring much fruit. So then, um, in this why have a devotional time, uh, one one of the points I want to emphasize is that it's for me and for you. Okay, It's it's not just for God. And... Uh, you know, if I, would, if I would tell you that you're supposed to eat every day, three times a day, and you're supposed to do it because the law of nature says it's the good thing to do. If you don't do it, you'll die. Would you do it? Well, you might. All right. But why do we eat? Well, because we enjoy it, right? And we know it gives us strength, too. But it's, for sure, it's not just because we have to. And... Uh, it's the same with our devotion. It should be the same with our devotional life. And so the first point here under why and that it's for us is it, uh, it's to get food and happiness in the Lord. All right? And look at Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. <clears throat> Jeremiah said, your words were found, and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. So Jeremiah had this experience of eating God's words, and it was such a delight for him. And so our devotional time should be a time that we look forward to. And I've had a unique experience in my life lately that has been extremely hard in some ways. But one way it's been a blessing is that I've had almost a tangible perception of how important my devotional time is. And there was uh, a couple situations in my life that were extremely difficult. 
and, and brought much inner turmoil to my spirit. And sometimes, and I had to go to the Lord. And if I didn't, my mind would start going down wrong trails um, and, and start thinking wrong things. But as I went to the Lord, every time, I could say almost every time, and especially as I sought the Lord in the secret place about those couple specific issues, He would just bring peace to my spirit. And that's, so we need to be eating the Word and gaining strength. And even though sometimes it's not been that tangible in my life, but we, it is really spiritual food that gives our spirit life. And uh, I've been challenged by the example of George Mueller. Um, <clears throat> and here's a quote from him. And he was an amazing fellow who Lord used in incredible ways. <clears throat> he said, The first thing I did after having asked in a few words the Lord's blessing upon his precious word was to begin to meditate on the word of God, searching, as it were, into every verse to get blessing out of it, not for the sake of the public ministry of the word, not for the sake of of preaching on what I had meditated upon, but for the sake of obtaining food for my own soul. So he did it to feed his own soul. And as he did that, he was a powerful preacher and witness and a provider for thousands of orphans. He also says another place that he would, um, one of his main goals when he'd get up in the morning and have his time with the Lord was to get himself happy in the Lord or get himself into a happy state. And I, as I thought about that, I, it sounds a little funny, but maybe more of us in the morning need to get ourselves in a happy state. And, you know, our country, even at the very beginning, you know, one of the rights supposedly was the pursuit of happiness. And we think of that as selfish, and many times it is. But if we actually pursue happiness in the Lord, or the Bible often calls, uses it in English, the joy of the Lord, if we pursue happiness and joy in the Lord, then it's not selfish. It's when we pursue happiness in other things, like money and power and position and work and all these things, that's when it's selfish. But the Lord knows He put in us an intrinsic desire to be happy, content, satisfied. And our life often isn't that, right? And if we pursue it by going to the Lord, He will bring happiness and joy. And it's a right way to do it. So our devotional life is to get food and happiness or joy in the Lord. Number two, it's so that His presence stays with us. And so that we can experience the Lord's glory, the glory of the Lord. And this we can see in Exodus 33. There it says how Moses spoke to God face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Now that's an amazing thing. And one of the main things in that passage, Moses pled with, the Lord had just told them that I'm not going to go with you. You guys are too bad. I can't go with you. If I do, I'll destroy you. And it says in uh, one translation that that was a disastrous word. And so Moses pled with the Lord. He said, and, and um, finally the Lord said, okay, I'm, I'm going to go with you. And um, my presence will go with you. And then after that, it says, Moses did something very fascinating. He said, show me your glory. 
Now, this was a while into the ministry of Moses. Moses had seen the glory of the Lord in the wilderness already at the burning bush, uh, in the ten plagues, and God delivered them. And then at the Red Sea, and already at Mount Sinai with that burning, he had seen glory like you and like few people have. What is Moses saying? Show me your glory. After all this, and then the Lord gives him another dimension of glory that he had never, that Moses had never seen before. And I think when <clears throat> one thing this teaches us, when we get to know the Lord, we want more and more of Him and His glory. It's, the presence of the Lord is so glorious and wonderful and fearful and awesome and important and necessary. We'll be seeking it. Our hearts will long after it if we really, truly meet the Lord and His Shekinah glory, His presence, His Spirit. So another reason is so that uh, we would have power with authority in the Spirit. And I find it very interesting in Paul's letter to Titus and Timothy, uh, in both places he mentions the idea that don't let people despise you or uh, don't let anyone disregard you. Or to Timothy, he said, don't let anyone look down on you. And well, how can we do that? Well, I think it's only by spending time with the Lord, the Lord will affirm us and give us authority in the Spirit. Because sometimes people do despise us, right? Sometimes people do grumble against our leadership. But, um, it's, but our time with the Lord does give His power. And um, in the spirit, and there's several ways I'm going to mention here and illustrations from the word where the Lord gives his power. One is um, he'll give his power and authority in danger. And this is illustrated, if you want to turn there, you can, uh, in Genesis 32. And here Jacob was returning after about 20 years from the, um, from the country where uh, his mother's country and <clears throat> where he had been with Laban and working for him. And if you remember, 20 years before this, his brother was about to kill him or they were afraid that, when, uh, that his brother would, Esau would kill him. So now they didn't have Zoom and texting and all these things. So there had been no communication, probably hardly any. <clears throat> and Jacob is now returning by the Lord's direction to his country. And he is afraid. And if you look at the context, I really feel he was deathly scared of what's going to happen when, he, when Esau finds out that he's returning. And <clears throat> so in this context, um, Jacob tries to do things to protect himself. So he divides his clan now into three, two groups, I think it was. And then he himself separated himself. And he um, got a huge gift ready to send to Esau to appease him. And, and then uh, he hears that Esau is coming. And Esau is coming with 400 men. I believe one place it says that the men were armed. Now, if I would be... I see my brothers here today, so... Um, blessed to see him here. And if my brother would come to me with 400 armed men, do you, does that feel like he'd be coming in peace? Probably not. 
All right, and I feel very strongly that Esau was coming, and probably the intent was to kill Jacob. I think he was coming with that intent. And so what happens? Well, that the night before they met, Jacob met the, this angel whom he wrestled with. And this is a picture, another picture of our devotional life. Sometimes there will be some great wrestling. And it will be with the Lord and his spirit. And he wrestled. And what did he ask for? Well, the angel said, let me go. And he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And I think one of the main blessings he was in this time and place was protection of his life and family. And I will not let you go unless you bless me. And this is what the angel answered. And this was the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, <clears throat> he, he changed his name. <clears throat> you shall no longer be called Jacob or supplanter, deceiver, but Israel, which means a prince with God. If you're a prince with God, you have power with God. You have the authority of God. You have the blessing and protection of God. Um, For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And the Septuagint and other uh, translations say it this way. So this, this may be a better translation The angel said, because thou hast power with God, thou shalt also prevail with men. And I think this is such a key. Um, If when we get alone with God in our devotional life, it brings power with God. And then we can prevail with men and prevail with people. And when this happens, there will be success and protection. And we see it in Jacob's life that next day or that day then they met. And instead of Esau coming and killing Jacob, they hugged each other, kissed each other, and wept. Now, what a reconciliation. But I think the key was the night before and the wrestling and the blessing from the Lord. And Jacob had found power with God, and so he was able to prevail with people. All right, I'm going to go through some of these others a little more quickly. If you're jotting things down, you could jot down the reference and look at it later and meditate on it later, okay? But um, another, in this section of having power in the spirit, um, there's power in danger, as we talked about. There's power in difficulty. And 1 Samuel 36 illustrates this, where David was at his lowest point. And then it says um, he, <clears throat> he found strength in the Lord. And then there's power also in temptation. In Matthew 26, 41, Jesus knew this key of obtaining power from his father during temptation. And here is where <clears throat> he had taken some disciples with him, his closest ones, to pray with him. And he knew he had to pray to be able to have the strength to endure. Remember, he walked it as a man. So he was getting alone in the garden to pray. And he was taking the others with him. And probably especially Peter um, and James and John. And he knew he had known Peter would deny him. But if Peter would have spent time praying, I think Peter would have had the strength to overcome also. But Jesus prayed. And then he said... To Peter and the others there, um, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And 
Um, and he told them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And when we pray, our spirit becomes stronger and our spirit is able to do the right thing. But when we don't pray, we end up like Peter. We don't have any power when the temptation comes. And we see what happened to Peter. He denied the Lord. He cursed and swore he didn't know the Lord. He wasn't praying. But Jesus, who was praying, he had the power to go through with a crucifixion and to obey his Father. And then there's also power in ministry. And that is the passage that was read um, as you were standing in Mark chapter 1. And here Jesus had healed Peter's mother-in-law and then says the whole city was there. And, you know, if, if from one lady who had been ill touched him and power went out from him, how, do you, how much power was going out when the whole city was at the door? There were demon-possessed people being healed, people that were sick were being healed, and probably a lot of emotional sicknesses were healed, and people, he was very likely teaching them how much power was going out now. And it says they were there very late. And what did Jesus do? In that passage in Mark 1, it says, A great while before day, he went out into a desolate place and prayed. I think he knew he had to. And yes, we need sleep. But also, if we're ministering in the Lord's power, we must spend time with the Lord. And when he did that... Peter came the next morning, and they were looking for him. They didn't know where it was. Finally, they found him. And Peter said, everyone's looking for you. Come, let's get back. Let's get back to this great thing that's been happening. And Jesus had a renewed perspective. He said, no, no, we must go to the other towns. And I believe in that morning of prayer, Lord, that his father was showing him, you've got to keep going now. It's enough in Capernaum where he had been. You've got to keep going. And then we see, right, uh, <clears throat> where we stopped reading how he then healed a leper. There was more healing because he had power. So there's power in ministry. So this, this is the only road to the celestial city, as in Pilgrim's Progress. It'll be on this road of spending time with the Lord. Our, uh, we must continue our devotional life. If we're going to spend time and not fall during temptation, not run out of power, and uh, continue ministering, and also continue in truth and staying away from doctrinal area, areas and error, it'll be through spending time with the Lord. So now the, the second part here, I just want to give you some important elements of our devotional time. And this won't be, um, this is sort of, this is the second part, but it's going to be shorter, so relax. I won't keep you here too long yet. But I just want to give you some practical tips for your devotional life. So, uh, first part, spend time in adoration, or we may call that worship, but spend time just adoring the Lord. And uh, this will come out in praise or thanksgiving. But sometimes it might just come out in our spirit, where in our spirit we like say, wow, 
What an amazing God. And a little illustration of this, sort of a humorous one, some years ago, quite a few years ago, in fact, when our family was at CBS and I, was, I taught there for several years and our children were quite small. And we were in the woods there one day and uh, dad showed his muscles, which um, dad thought were pretty big, you know. And he doesn't show his muscles to just anyone, but it was my children. So it was okay to do, and I showed my muscles, and then um, one of the boys said, wow. I mean, it really came from the heart. Wow. And that's what worship is. Okay, now I wasn't trying to receive worship exactly, but it's an illustration of what true worship is to God. It's when we're looking at him, and he will reveal things about himself in the secret place, and in our hearts we'll say, wow. That's worship, and that'll happen as we spend time with him. It's not some legalistic thing we do. It comes from looking to the Father. So let's spend time worshiping him, and then spend time in his word. And we can't get away from that. I mean, if you're going to get to know God and spend time with him, you're going to need to spend lots of time in here. And this will happen in different ways in different seasons. And... But it should happen every day. And it's very fascinating. The kings of Israel, they were instructed in the law of Moses, knowing that there would be kings one day, that they were to write a copy of the law and spend time reading it every day, it says. Now, if they were to do that, of course we should too, as um, kings and um, the New Testament calls us priests and kings in the kingdom of of the Lord. Every day in his word. Listen to him speaking in the scriptures. Like, make it practical as you read. Be thinking about the things of your day and what God is showing you from the scriptures for your day and for your season, for your decisions. Make it practical. And as you do that, the spirit who is inside of you will show you things for yourself, for your time and place from the word. He loves to do it. So listen to the Spirit. And at one point in my life, I was trying to follow a Bible reading schedule, and it became legalistic. I wasn't just keeping up, and you know the guilty feeling that can cause. And so I decided something. I decided to um, put away my Bible reading schedule, and I was reading in King James. And I'm not saying this is a must, but for me it helped me at the time. I decided I'll read in the New King James Version, and that just gave me a little different understanding and some of the words I had heard all of my life and maybe didn't understand. I thought, well, I could, um, it helped me to understand a little better. And I put away the schedule. I thought, I just read however much I feel like. And guess what happened? I actually started reading more and enjoying it more. So that was a good thing for me to do at that time. And then later I went back to schedule and for, uh, I've tried to read through the Bible every year for, for a fair number of years and it's been such a blessing. So it varies on the season and the one where God has you, but spend time, however you do it, in here. Spend much time in the Word and then spend time in prayer. And we need to understand that if you look at the New Testament promises on prayer, if you pray in the name of Jesus and for his causes, not for your selfish purposes, but for his causes, it it guarantees that he will answer those prayers. 
That's some amazing promises. The only time it, it promises that they won't, your prayers won't get answered is in James where it says they were asking for selfish purposes. They were asking amiss to, because of their own pleasures. But if you're asking in Jesus' name, and you can look at the promises of Jesus, if you ask in my name, I will give it. I will do it. So pray in that way and, and look for answers. Give thanks to the Lord. Maybe keep a journal and write down your prayers. That's helped me. Also, spend time in confession. There may be, um, may be times of confession. Pray in the Spirit, as it says, and ask Him for things. And, you know, like Paul, when he asked for that thorn in the flesh to be removed, he didn't know if it was actually the Lord's purpose or if it was his own, but he prayed like crazy. And then God showed him, and God showed him that, I don't want that to happen. Then he quit praying for it, and he realized that through his weakness, um, the Lord's power is magnified. So pray. Pray with all your heart. Spend time praying. <clears throat> Bible memory and meditation is a good thing to do, and if you feel you can't memorize, well, take at least one verse with you during the day to meditate on, to keep that secret place going during the day. <clears throat> A couple needed qualities for your devotional life. is One is enjoyment, okay? And when you eat, you should enjoy it, right? And when you have your devotions, you should enjoy it. But then another needed quality is simply discipline. And so I encourage you to make a choice for a certain time and for a certain place to be able to fill up. And if, if you haven't done this, if, if, you, if your devotional life is haphazard and scattered, make a choice for two things, a certain time and place, and then do it. And if you have to be accountable, but do it, and the Lord will bless you. I remember the testimony of, of Dave King, um, who, who worked with Choice Books for many years, still is. And he, he and a friend decided they're going to read through the Bible, I think it was four times a year. Oh, or maybe it was twice through the Old Testament and four in the New, I forget exactly. And he said for the first uh, two years or so, it just didn't speak to him. He, but he did it. He kept at it. And after a while, something broke. And if you want to find someone who loves the Word and is alive in the Word, talk to Dave King, okay? And he gets insights from the Word. And one thing I'm encouraging you is do it. Spend time with the Lord. He will reward you. <clears throat>